Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Mignot, CEO of the experience agency, D-Flash. This is part of my 29 Days of Magic series, where I'm talking to 29 phenomenal Black women for Black History Month and, and dropping an episode every day. Uh, I'm super excited to have Amawat, who is a songwriter and vocalist and goddess of many other talents, who will be talking about her, her songwriting career and all the things she's done along the way. It's going to be a great conversation. Take a listen. Hey, Ama, how are you? Hey, I'm great, and I'm included in this litany of fabulous Black women. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, of course. Um, you know, that's the, uh, the whole part about this was to try and just get a wide mix of really incredible women from different walks of life and talking about how, you know, they're doing the damn thing. So I love it. I'm really happy to have you on. So as you know, I always ask the same first question and I'm always fascinated <laughs> by the answers. Um, I feel like yours will be no different. So Ama, what was your first job? So I've had many, many first jobs. Um, but as far as being a songwriter and a vocalist, my first job was actually with my mom and my mother, who is also a singer. Shout out to Ia Oloriwa. Um, she is a traditional folkloric vocalist of Afro-Cuban tradition, Yerisha tradition in the United States. And so part of what she does is sing for ceremonies called bembe. And at a bimbe, you have a lead vocalist who sings the call, and then you have the participants and the people who are there to sing the response. And so, um, and part of the, the vocalist uh, um, ensemble or band, if you think about it that way, is uh, usually a couple drums, a shaker, some bell various things that are always included and so she was the first person to hire me to come and play bell and, and play shaker right? she was like listen if you're gonna be with mama you're gonna work okay <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right exactly so I was there and I was playing instruments and then I also began to sing and to learn how to harmonize in that way with her which um we did pretty much every weekend. And um, <clears throat> that was my first job. And it's so funny that you asked that question because um, I feel really, really lucky to have been indoctrinated so young into, you know, the working model um, as far as entertainment, even though it was in a religious setting. Um, and she she taught me a lot. And I learned a lot about controlling a crowd and, and projecting my voice and just being able to sing in front of people. So. That was my first job. And you got paid for that, which is awesome. Yes, girl. Mama was <laughs> she was like, you know, here, here's your money. You did some work and so you get paid for it. And so, you know, just talk, talking about uh, being a black woman and a professional, um, she was my first model for doing something artistic and being paid for it as well. Ooh, that's awesome. And so how did you get to be sitting here with me chatting in 29 Days of Magic? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> be brief. <laughs> no, you can tell. <laughs> like, well, first I was born. <laughs> <laughs> and you we came out like, singing. Exactly, uh -huh. exactly. We won't go that far back. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I sang for a, a good a good deal of my life, as I said. You know, my first job was in childhood. Um, but I went to school to Howard University for communications. And uh, radio TV film was um, a big part of my main interest and something that I still do um, on the side. And at that time, um, 
you know, it's funny, I had convinced myself that I didn't want to sing or write because it wasn't a stable enough um, endeavor to really commit myself to. And um, so I didn't. Um, and everything that I did vocally uh, as a singer was kind of on the side in the gospel choir that I had joined and just, you know, singing with friends and doing open mics and that type of thing. Um, <clears throat> at one point, both my parents were extremely ill and I left school and I was contacted by um, a good friend of the family to come and sing background for her. She was a vocalist traveling with um, Iyala Van Zandt at the time, actually. And so I started singing background with her. And that, that was my first job as far as being, you know, an adult and going out on the road and singing with someone. Um, and from there, I just continued to do a lot of background work. And I connected eventually with um, a songwriting crew of other black women called big drawers <laughs> awesome name. right right <laughs> so you know we were we were um songwriters and vocalists obviously of size is why we had big draws which is hilarious to me now even saying it um but they had written you know for destiny's child and for emily king and all kinds of wonderful artists and um i joined their troupe and band and and was able to kind of go around the country just writing for people um and they taught me a lot about just the the modern and pop interpretation of songwriting and what that means um to write something catchy and relatable to a lot of people and um, I was able to write a song um, with a kindred the family soul um, that was on one of their albums it's called just the way you are um, I was able to write some songs that was ended up on television for all kinds of uh, reality shows and stuff like that and really know, kind of how'd that work out well, you know, part of the business is that you have to take care of your paperwork. So it didn't work out that well for me <laughs> uh. because it, it actually was a situation where I wasn't paid um, to do what I did. But I heard my voice on TV. I heard my, my lyrics and my um, my melodies on TV. And it was a good validation that I could write something that was um, uh, that was viable in the market. Um, and so that's what I take away from that experience. Um, and then I was able to go on and do commercials and stuff like that myself. So for about three or four years, I was the voice of, uh, the home goods campaign. Um, oh, wow. yeah, singing, get happy, <laughs> uh, which was, you know, great. Um, and so, I just continued to work and then most recently uh, with a band called Nate Smith and Kinfolk, uh, which was nominated uh, for two Grammys. I wrote all of the lyrics um, for the debut album called Postcards from Everywhere. Um, and I've been traveling and touring with that band ever since. And so we've done, you know, the Kennedy Center and gone all over Europe and, um, you know, various places. And that's just been kind of my trajectory to continue to find opportunities to write for people um, and and work in jazz as well as pop and gospel. And so it's been really cool, you know, just to, to be able to, to sing and write everywhere. Um, and so that's where we are right now. That's phenomenal. Like how, does, how do you, I guess the best question about like, the art of songwriting, because I'm always fascinated, like what's that process like for you? 
So I have a kind of streamlined process at this point. Um, but <laughs> then there's like just the, the, when you allow yourself to be a vessel, as they say, and sometimes stuff just comes to you. So sometimes it's a little bit rude and I'm like asleep and I get a whole song idea and I got to wake up and record it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, which is great, but like I said, it's a little rude. Because <laughs> you enjoy your sleep, I get it. Exactly, like we all want to be able to stay asleep as long as possible, you know, but sometimes my, my brain or my heart is just like, Mm-mm, you have work to do. So um, I get up and I do that, but uh, oftentimes uh, what folks will do is send me a piece of music and um, the very, and they'll send it to me to write and come up with lyrics for. And so the very first thing that I do is uh, play it and I press record while I play it because I like to record anything that comes to me the first time I hear it. Um, because when you go back and listen, you're thinking, you're, you know, and you're kind of, uh, you can get in your own way. So I always love to see what comes out the very, very first time I hear a piece of music and whatever organic, um, whatever organic emotion or sentiment comes from that um, honestly ends up a lot of times being what gets recorded for the final work. <laughs> so wow. that's, that's my main process. That's incredible. So like it basically, if it kind of comes to you, like that's going to be the best part because it, you, it flows through you. Mm-hmm, for sure. For sure. And I'm still learning a lot about what it means to be uh, available to what is flowing through you, you know, and getting out of my head. And uh, I'm blessed to kind of know a lot of really prolific musicians and songwriters and so you know just following their lead and seeing how they allow for things to just happen because I'm I can I could definitely think my way out of some inspiration sometimes you know (laughs) because you overthink it so much and you're like ah never mind oh for sure for sure and so just I think part of the journey of being an artist and of um finding out because you know if I if I may take it back there's this um it's like a half and half thing because this is what I do for a living. And so I want to do things and create things that allow me to make income and that allow me to be um, viable to other people who would want to hire me to do, et cetera. Um, And then I'm an artist. And so I want to create things that are honest and that are authentic enough to inspire myself even you know but certainly to inspire someone else who might hear it and you know feel it as an honest emotion at that time so you know there's a constant balance that I'm trying to strike in that area that's a really beautiful way of explaining it and you mentioned something about making sure that your paperwork is okay mm-hmm. so I would love for you to sort of explain this because I'm sure there are a lot of other artists who are potentially listening going wait what right <laughs> Well, you know, what's funny. It's like the, the year of the call out, right? Like 2020 is pulling no punches and I'm, I'm seeing articles and things coming out like Khalees calling out Pharrell and, and the Neptunes about um, having shoddy paperwork so that she wasn't necessarily compensated the way that she should have been for the songs that she did with them. You got Mace calling out Puffy. You got... Um, And just in general, a lot of the conversation is happening, um, certainly with Black women, about being compensated and being recognized for their labor, you know. Um, And in the music business, it's very easy to 
had that not happened <laughs> straight <laughs> up like it's just it. really it's really really easy and especially you know again we're talking about art right so a lot of this building is happening with personal relationships people that you know and that you come to like and trust um as either you know friends or colleagues and so the the tradition and the culture of bringing up business as an aspect of what's happening can sometimes be taboo in those environments. Um, so, you know, a bunch of people might get together to write a song and the one who says, okay, so how do we want to split up the royalties in this song? You know, people are like, oh, you're uptight. Or you're, you know, oh, you know, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. And um, at one point it was almost taboo to kind of be too forward with asking about the business end of what was being created. Um, I'm no longer there. <laughs> you know? Like, nope, no ma'am. You know, it just is what it is. I, I, um, this is the business and this is a business. And anyone who is uncomfortable when I mention that or try to sort that out before completing our business is someone that I have like a red, a red flag for in my mind, you know? And um, I no longer, it's still uncomfortable, especially, you know, just as a black person, black woman, we have a lot of discomfort about talking about money sometimes. Um, and, and also, you know, it's, it's required that you get educated in a certain way so that when you talk, you know what to ask for. Right. Um, and so that's a huge part of um, what I'm still being educated on, but what I'm certainly, you know, no longer willing to let go by the wayside or leave up to someone else to decide for me. That's really incredible. And do you think it's like, is it more about sort of having that, handing that role off to like another lawyer or a manager, or it's got to come directly from the artist? You know, it's interesting. I think that it can be all those things. Um, certainly as an artist, you want to know enough about what's happening so that even if you hire someone to help you in that area you know what they're talking about right. um but certainly managers help lawyers help um and even uh one of the things that i would love to get going this year is just kind of a collective uh with with women who are in the business so that we can continue to talk to each other because what happens is that everybody gets isolated and people are afraid in the in the music business sometimes to kind of say you know what I don't know what I'm doing in this area. Can you help me or can you talk to me about what I should expect or about where, you know, I should go to find this particular thing? Um, and I think that the more that that happens, the more that people will be like, oh, yeah, I was paid, you know, $100 to do that, that, that. And someone else would say, $100, girl. Like, right. <laughs> you know, that's crazy. What you really should be getting is this. And then, so, you know, it requires... Um, a bit of solidarity, I think, across the genre or across the industry. And certainly, you know, for some people who are on top and who do have their business practices sort of um, set up to be willing to share that information with other people. Um, and because what happens is that folks who are, you know, at a certain level in the business get taken advantage of by people in power so you may know what it is that you need but because the person in power knows that you want that opportunity they may not offer it to you you know what i mean so it's it's just i think requires continuing conversations and certainly managers and lawyers and professionals um even making themselves more available to people in the business so that they don't get taken advantage of 
Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's interesting. It's like every creative field kind of has this issue. Mm -hmm. Like people don't get compensated for their work. For and, sure. And, and it is sort of like having that circle of, you know, sister circle um, of women who've been there before who are, who are at a point where they can impart that wisdom. Mm -hmm. um, just necessary it, it, wherever you may go. Um, because there's so many different pieces of the puzzle that if you know like five of them, there might be six more you know, and someone has those six they can give them to you. Right, for sure. So it's it's definitely paramount. So you've successfully been an artist for quite a while. How have you survived? <laughs> you know, so um I, <laughs> when you asked me about, you know, my first jobs and how I sort of came to this, I, I mentioned like a bunch of different things in all these different areas and fields. And it's basically been a lot of that, like just diversifying my, my skill set and making sure that uh, people know that I can come and sing background, I can come and write a song, I can vocal produce, I can, you know, I can, I can get you together on a choreography if you needed, you know, if need be, um, <laughs> just being like a woman of all trades in, in that uh, vocal field in general and performance field in general has really helped me. Um, and honestly, you know, being an, an, an artist in the United States, once I started to have children, um, and sort of settled down and I got married, my husband has been a huge help to allowing me to not necessarily have to go and get like a nine to five, you know, um, to support us. And he's just kind of been, <coughs> excuse me, emotionally and um, uh, financially supportive in that area. And it's something that I think is important to say. It's not something that everyone wants to necessarily admit, but um, you have a lot of artists that are just like, you know what, straight up, I had to go and, and drive Uber or straight up, I had to go and do this other thing to support myself. Um, and so I fortunately haven't been in that place because I have a partner who's been able to support us in those times. Um, and then in other times, I'm just like, you know, balling out of control because that's the nature of freelance work you know what I mean it's like you, you right. have no money <laughs> exactly and then you have all the money and then you have no money again you know um and so one of the things um we're having this interview at a, at a pivotal point for me actually because it, I'm in that space now where I'm just like how do I continue to sustain what it is that I want to do and what makes sense for the future, for retirement, for college, for my kids, um, and and to you know maintain and keep the home that we own. Um, and as an artist, you know I don't I don't know if you planned on like <laughs> getting that real, you know what I mean? But it's, Go for it. But it's really you know a big part of the conversation that I think that artists across across industries need to have, um, just about how to maintain. Um, sustainability and, and how to have health insurance and how to, you know, do all kinds of different things that are necessities for life outside of the art. Um, and so, you know, I'm still figuring a lot of that out, but, you know, in the past, it definitely has been helpful to have a partner that supports me um, and that supports my, my various dreams and endeavors. Um, and then just, you know, being able to teach and going to schools and kind of come off stage and do things that are, that are valuable and artistic in other areas, you know, outside of performance has been really helpful for me. Oh, that's awesome. 
And and what's been the challenge you would say that now you've become a working mom? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the girl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know a little bit, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. <laughs> like, right? So you know, I'm not sleeping. <laughs> I had a baby who refuses to sleep at this time. Um, and so uh, the challenge there has been learning how to go with the current of that. So like, for instance, today, you know, I, I really wanted to come to your office so that we could meet face to face. We've never um, actually been in each other's company. And I was looking forward to that. And I was, you know, kind of getting things together. And it was getting really stressful with my daughter who wasn't sleeping or allowing me to sleep. Um, and finally, I just had to be like, you know what? Okay, how can you adjust the current plan to suit what's happening right now? And so now we're on the phone, you know? And, and that I have to do a lot of that, where something that I would do in one particular way is just not, it's just not gonna work if I do it that way, or it will work, but I will look like a haggard mess. <laughs> you know wherever I show up to I'll just be you know run down worn down um and so I just have to do a a lot of adjustment and I have to have a plan all at all times that is flexible um and a you know a reference point that allows for me to switch things up and that's kind of been the main um challenge you know because I'm a person who likes to have a plan in place and and do one and then two and then three and but sometimes I have to do three and then four and then one and then you know? uh-huh. so yeah that's, that's you for sure no, and just just one more thing and just kind of what when you're an artist especially and I think any professional we get um into the routine of taking care of ourselves and doing things based on our own needs and feelings and so just having to consider you know two children a husband um and even you know my aunt that I caretake for um in all of my decisions is just like a new part of adulthood that I just didn't (laughs) you know I I didn't have that much experience with so you know that's been an adventure and um you know I'm grateful for it because it definitely makes you stronger um but that is the challenge for sure yeah you have to there's a a level of adaptability that you sort of have to be like yes I will just be a pretzel and turn myself into a lot of different knots Mm -hmm. because you ain't got a choice so <laughs> right. looking back on it now, hmm, what would you tell the twenty-one-year-old Alma? Lord, what was I doing? <laughs> I'm like, good. I didn't, I, I didn't remember that you were gonna ask something like that. I'm like, who was I at twenty-one? <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely would tell twenty-one-year-old Alma to work a little harder at sustaining friendships and relationships at Howard University, um, because. I've I've been you know really grateful to have some wonderful friends from school, but I think that I could have done even more to kind of maintain um, and and get to know more people because so many folks ended up being in in my field in one way or another, and I'm all about community, you know. Um, so I just would have worked harder to to create stronger community for myself at that age, um, and. I, on on a personal note, I would have just spent more time with my dad who passed away and, um, 
And I think that I would have asked him more about his dealings and role in the business because he was also um, a touring musician. Um, and I just would, I would have taped him and, and, you know, recorded him and got him to tell me much, much more about his experiences traveling. Um, and then for, for myself, what would I tell me about me? Um, I, I would tell myself to let go of fear that it's okay to be embarrassed but that the, that it's better to to put my head down and bull forward and make a mistake than to be uh, stagnant because I'm afraid of doing something wrong or doing something, you know, um, in a way that I don't feel is the best representation. I just would have took more risks and chances. And I would tell myself that, you know, if you mess up, it's, it's okay, but you have the experience under your belt and that allows for, you know, the next experience. It's all for learning. And, um, yeah, I think that's what I tell myself. Yeah, because, you know, one of my favorite phrases is that um, you, never, you never lose. Uh, so mm. even, if you try, even if you try something and it doesn't work out, you learn something from that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's something that you'll take with you for wherever you go next. And you've got to mm-hmm. hold on to that, that, like, it, and especially when you're in a creative field, you know, it's all about risk and sort of, you know, jumping off a cliff without, without a net and mm-hmm. on your feet. Um, right. And that is a ongoing scary ass process. So. Oh my God, isn't it? Like, it's terrible. <laughs> like, it's terrible, especially in any field where people view what you do and, and judge its worth or value. You know, it's just like, oh, my God, do I really have to put myself out there in this way? But um, one thing that my dad did tell me about that is that taking that kind of risk for yourself or, or on yourself is is a skill just like anything else, you know, and if you practice it and you do it over and over again, it will always be scary, but you'll be more practiced at being courageous in that way. And so I'm, I'm interested in, in continuing that process because I surely am not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think people think it's, it's kind of like it's, a, it's like a muscle mm-hmm. and you have to sort of keep building that up over time. And so then it's yep. something where it's like, okay, it's just like breathing now. Yep. Yeah. But it sure as heck ain't easy. Oh my god, no. <laughs> no. So you got two little munchkins, you got a husband, you've got an incredible career. How do you take care of Ama? Like what's your self-care routine? Is it the housewives? Is it a walk? Is it listening to somebody else's music? Like what do you do to sort of like take some time for yourself? Okay, so this is really basic, but that good old <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> That good old Netflix. I love me some Netflix and a good snack. <laughs> you know? Okay, what's your snack? <laughs> so I love the Tostitos uh, with lime. Awesome. And I love a good, um, oh, I hate saying this word. Can I even say the cartucherie? The, like, basically cheese and crackers and yes. grapes and olives and, and jams and all that. That's like my favorite, you know, thing to eat. My husband makes fun of me all the time. He's like, did you really eat that for dinner? I'm like, and it was yes. delicious. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. So, um, and then I, I don't get to do it as much as I really want to, but I like to just go out outside you know um and be in nature and just kind of like breathe fresh air and and walk and observe um 
because I get really isolated sometimes among machines um, <laughs> and, and in four walls. Um, and I always feel better just when I go outside. And so, uh, and kind of take myself out of, it's, it's a good way to humble yourself. You know what I mean? Like you go outside and you're like, wow, this, this is a, this tree is a hundred years old. There's a whole sky above you with, uh, planets and stars and all that kind of stuff. So it just can make you feel like your problems are not quite as big. Um, and so that's, that's something that I like to do to decompress for sure. Uh, absolutely. It's like, you know, when you think about the world, it's like, you are so, we're so small. And so those problems that are nicking at our ankles are, are, are even smaller if we, if we look at it from that perspective. So that's a, that's a beautiful way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. So 29 Days of Magic would not be complete without a give and an ask. And so what I'm doing is, you know, what I hope with this uh, experiment is to sort of, one, have all the women kind of hopefully connect, but also, you know, put out in the universe what you'd like to have, what you'd like to have or what you'd like to give, because you never know who's listening. Um, (laughs) And, you know, and also I'm a big proponent. If you say it out loud, it's going to come true. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So wait, wait, wait. So just explain it to me just one more time. So what do you need? Uh, so uh, to, to, that's like the ask and then the okay. give is like whatever you what can you give and it could be like you know your give is i wish for people to be you know more humble or or more giving like whatever mm-hmm. it okay um so what i need is we had that long conversation about business i i would love to take what I, what I can do, not only vocally, but just as a person who, who speaks and who um, wants to inspire and be involved in various industries. I would, I would love to get into marketing and, and ads and continue to write for campaigns, um, be it songs or, or just, um, you know, words that people will remember and just take my talent into different arenas. So I would love to talk to people who can help me do something like that Um, and to help me just conceptualize what that might look like um, just as a way, uh, like we spoke about, to continue to um, monetize my talent and do things that have a, a wider reach and that affect people in a positive way. Um, so that's my ask. <laughs> awesome. I think I can yeah. help you with that. Oh, oh my God. Yes. So that's immediate. Yes, universe. Yeah. Yes. So see? <laughs> um, as far as my give, um, I love to help. There's, there's always new artists that um, are coming out and that want to work. And I would love to help to mentor um, some young people who would like to work in the industry and kind of, um, I like to connect people and I would love to take them and see what it is that they want to do and where their talent is really strong at this time and connect them with, you know, possibly other people or even connect them to myself in a way that they can have some apprenticeship, which is something that I, that I think is missing in music right now. Um, and some, a person that will help to let them kind of just observe, but as well as work, uh, do hands-on work in the field. Um, so yeah, I I would love to work with some young people who would like to be artists or work in the industry in some way and, and help them out. Awesome. 
So see, see that wasn't so scary. <laughs> Worth it. I made it. I'm okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can just keep on talking to you. It's it was such a delight to have you on the show. I'm really honored to have to, to have you hear to hear your story. Um, and I think you, you're going to help a lot of uh, a lot of people who have tons of questions about this universe. So thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you. And that is our show.